Anyway, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about an interesting subject. As you know, January the 22nd, 1973, the United States Supreme Court ruled in the landmark Roe versus Wade that unborn human beings are not legal persons. Now, in March the 6th, 1857, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in the landmark Dred Scott decision that black people were not legal persons according to the U.S. Constitution. That caused a problem. Anyway, that was settled, and this other one was settled. So whatever the U.S. Supreme Court decides, it is the truth. <laughs> well, we know that uh, you can't always trust people, even if they run around in black robes. I um, want to share a few things with you that I think is very important. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. I just uh, conducted a funeral service earlier the week and um, said a few things that I thought I need to maybe mention a little bit more and clarify a little bit better. And that is the uh, little statement, a picture of the world is a picture of mankind's heart, the heart of mankind. When you look out at the world, don't you just get a lot of hope? Doesn't it give you that thrill that we know what we're doing? That we know where we're going? And if left like it is, we're going to build a utopia upon this earth. Can, can you see it? Can you see that? I don't see it at all. If left in the hands of man, we're in a heap of trouble, boy. And so when you look at the world and things don't look so good. But I want you to take your Bible and turn there with me to the book of Revelation in chapter 21. Chapter 21 and look in verse 1. Verse 1, where he has, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful." And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountains of the water of life freely. God says, the day is coming. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There will be no sin there. And that's why there will be no death there. There will be no tears there. No grief there. No heartaches. No pain. God will wipe away all tears from their eyes, a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. No sin can enter within the holy city. Now that's ahead of us. Now what's behind us? 
Let me mention this to you. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Here in the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, you need to understand what God did, what He's going to do. Then you'll have a better idea of what He is doing, what's going on. Because when we look at this world and we see all the sin, the sorrow, the sickness, the disease, all the heartbreak where we go through in life, most people blame God because God, you're supposed to be in charge. And evidently, you didn't took a vacation. Do you see what's going on in this world? Think about all the heartache you've already had. You say, well, it's going to get better. Oh, it could get worse. And if you're going to get older, it'll get worse. Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. So when God made the light, He saw it was good. Understand that. When God made it, it was good. Look what He says there in uh, verse 10. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called He seas. And God saw that it was what? It was good. So when God made it, it was, it was good. Look what he says in verse 11. Verse 11 talks about the same thing. He made things after its own kind. And then look in verse 12 where he says, After his kind, and God saw that, the last three letters of the words of that verse, it was good. Look what he says in verse 18. When he made the sun and the moon, the stars and so forth, he said, And to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God said that it was good. Saw that it was good. You'll see that phrase mentioned over and over and over again. When God makes something, He can make it good, and He did. You look there in verse 21, And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Now, you'll see down here, as you go through this, look at verse 25. Just look at verse 25. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Now, he made a man. My daughter sent me a picture this last week of the baby pictures of Adam and Eve. I'd never seen the baby pictures of Adam and Eve. So Adam, it was a picture of a little pile of dirt. And for Eve, it was just a rib. And that was their baby pictures. Wouldn't it be something? They, they didn't have any baby pictures whatsoever. Wouldn't that be disheartening? They had no pictures of a mommy and daddy. Well, God made a man... And then, as a woman told me one day, God thought he could improve on that, so he made a woman. <laughs> you know how women are. They got to always do a little bit better than a man. But God made them, told them to be fruitful and multiply. But there's one thing that I did not see. There's nowhere in there. It, it might be hidden in the Hebrew, but it doesn't say, and it was good. And God saw that it didn't say that. But... 
He did say this in verse 31. Look in verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So maybe that included Adam and Eve. But everything God made was good. So in the beginning, what God made was good. The man and the woman, good. The garden, good. Everything God made, good. Now look at the world today. Now who you want to blame it on, God or man? God gave to man a choice. And there you go. Now you know the answer to all the world's problems. Man made the wrong choice. All the problems we're experiencing in this world is simply because people are making bad decisions. Bad decisions because they now have an old sinful nature. And it's not to honor God. So, nations against nations. Race against race. All the people that you see murdering and raping and all the things that are going on, it's because people make decisions. And they're making the wrong decisions. But justifying the wrong decision because there's nothing wrong with it. It's not going to hurt anybody else. Look at the world and you'll see. So I um, want you to know that I disagree totally with the decision of the Supreme Court. I believe their decision was wrong. I believe that that child in a mother's womb is a human being. It is alive. And it should be remembered that that is exactly the case. I um, want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Job. The book of Job. Job in chapter 10. Job chapter 10. And this is on page 576 in one of the church Bibles. But notice what he says here in Job chapter 10 and verse 9. Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curled me like cheese? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, hast fenced me with bones and sinew. Thou hast granted me life. So who's the one that grants life? God granted you and I with life. And this is when he put it together in the mother's womb. Now, you get a chance. You can read the 139th Psalm. It gets in a little bit more detail, and it's very good, about God forming the child in the womb. God, and we've covered this before, told them that um, the child you're fixing to have is Name shall be called John, John the Baptist, before he was born. Jesus, Mary was told, that holy thing is just a blob of protoplasm, just tissue. That holy thing was the Son of God. A body hast thou prepared me. God created us and allowed a, a man and a woman to be able to come together. And God has a body prepared for us. But God creates us. And people have got where they really don't want to hear what the Word of God has to say. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Proverbs. 
Proverbs in chapter 6. There's an interesting verse here that we need to understand what God has to say about this thing called P-R-I-D-E. You know, pride, the middle letter is I, and that's what is the problem of pride. It deals with I, 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 I. We have set ourselves up in judgment over God. We have become the judge of the Bible, and we want to be the authority. So man today, see, doesn't need a God, doesn't need the Bible, doesn't need a source of authority. He is his own authority. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Stop and think. Isn't that where we're headed? Just like in the book of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And if you want to do this, do it. Now, there's no such thing as sin. No morality. No right and wrong. Just a dirty gray. No black and white. And so people today, they have no guidance. Many people think that the pastor is supposed to be, well, he's supposed to be the shepherd of the, the sheep and to feed the sheep. But in most cases, the preacher is nothing more than someone who feeds the goats and entertains the goats. I believe that we still need to go by what does the Word of God say. So we here at Calvary, we're not interested in entertaining people. Just to entertain people. We want, this is what the Word of God says, and this is what we go by. And we want our people to bring a Bible to church and look at the Scriptures so you know what God's Word has to say. The Word of God is the authority here. Not the preacher. The Word of God is. Look what he says in Proverbs in chapter 6. Look in verse 16 where he says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Now let me ask you, when they take a child from the womb of a mother and kill that child, is that shedding innocent blood? It is murder. Now listen. I can't go back and change anything that you have done or I have done. What's past is past. If you've ever done it, remember this. Aren't you glad? And I'm glad. God is a forgiving God. But you can't justify the wrong that we've done. Me and Betty ran away and got married. I don't believe afterwards that's not the way to do it. I robbed her mother and father of the joy of giving their daughter to the man that they thought was worthy of that daughter. It was like handing over a, you know, a Stradivarius over to a gorilla. <laughs> and they wanted to have a word in this thing, but I robbed them of that. You know how many pictures we have of our wedding? And the reason, because we were married by the justice of the peace. Later on, I found out it was the Secretary of War. <laughs> <laughs> but the Bible tells us God hates the lying tongue. <laughs> And he says, and they that shed innocent blood. So this is what is being done. Now, let me just give you this so that you know. Out of all about, say, 57 million babies that have been aborted since 73. Now, we have no clue how many were aborted before that time. But generally, one out of six abortions are done by those who profess Christianity. Which would put it somewhere around probably 600 thousand by so-called believing Christians. So God's people are 
also guilty. It's not just the world out there is doing this. I mean, the world gets drunk too. But there's also some of God's children that get drunk too. The world is free to all this free love and so forth. And, but so are a lot of Christians. True? So Christians are as, about as guilty as the world. In that they don't let the word of God become that stabilizing force in their own life. So if God's going to judge America, he's going to judge his people also. But the cost of abortion are unprecedented when measuring three issues. The financial, moral, and spiritual tragedy of nearly 57 million abortions since Roe versus Wade. Legal abortion costs nearly $23 billion. Nobody really has an idea how many abortions took place prior to that. And the financial impact, they say, the GDP, will cost this country $45 trillion, according to calculations of the Movement for a Better America, and that is merely the resulting labor cost. Our national debt stands at over $16 trillion, an indication of how goods and services are also negatively impacted due to $56 million. And I thought one of the days you ought to preach a sermon on the missing Americans. Now, we talk about the rapture, and one day we're going to be missing out of this world. But do you realize there's 56 million babies that were supposed to be born? The missing Americans. Did you realize that those people that are 45 and on up, one of these days they're going to get up to wherever they want to get their Social Security? Huh? Well, 45 million people that were supposed to be in the workforce to give it to them aren't going to be there. The very people who didn't want them, are going to rue the day they cut their own throat. And some of these old codgers in Washington and so on that are making laws about, you know, getting to the place where we have these death panels and euthanasia, uh, there's going to be people who are going to be doing it to them. Sorry, world. Listen, what God made was good, but he gave man a choice. And man made the wrong choices. And ever since then, even with all that we know and all the knowledge that we have and the history that we have, we still make the wrong choices. Don't we have people today that are still making the wrong choices for their life? You stop and think. You have the certain women that say that, um, well, I am pro-choice. I'm the, for the right to choose for myself. Well, then, why didn't you choose before you let that man touch you? Why didn't you make a decision? You want me, you marry me, and you're committed to me. If you don't make that decision, what decision were you making? Did you plan down the road, I'm going to get pregnant, and I'm going to have a baby, and I'm going to kill it? Why couldn't you think ahead of time? Because, you see, we have the same three problems that Eve and Adam had, and that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Most of it is because of simple sexual gratification. You know it, and I know it. It's because they just, whatever you desire, do it. And look at the consequences. So we, because you do not have the discipline, the character, to do what is right and save yourself for the man you're going to marry, 
And no man has a right to touch a woman until he's married to her. And you ought to, he tried to put his hand in where he ought not. You ought to put an iron anvil over his head until it rings like a Chinese gong. Learn to protect yourself. You don't go to places where you shouldn't go to. I read the other paper not long ago. This woman, she was raped by this man. She went to a bar and she got drunk. And then she invited him to her apartment at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he raped her. Duh! You don't hang a stake in front of a Rottweiler and say, You can't have it. You can't have it. You can't have it. He took it! Dumb, dumb. That's why you want to make choices? Make the right choices. Learn to be a person that's looking for character in an individual. You will not marry the wrong kind if you don't date the wrong kind. Have high standards in advance. Say, if the, I'm looking for a guy that knows the Lord, loves the Lord, and is walking with God, and you will make the right decision, and he'll be in the right place doing the right thing. Don't go by all of his promises. I promise that I'll go to church. Are you going now? No, but I will. If he doesn't honor his mother and father, he won't honor God. If she doesn't honor her mother and father, she won't honor you. Character stays the same. And you learn to make the right decision. And because you go ahead and you let down the barriers, then you find out, okay, now I'm pregnant. And you don't want it. So now it's an unwanted pregnancy. Now you've got to make another decision. And then another decision. And the decisions that come, all because you make a wrong choice. We can always so easily go back and say, Adam, Eve, why did y'all do that? We would have never done that. <laughs> and we are doing that. Let me read this to you. Social security would be bankrupt in 21 years because a generation under 45 years of age has one-third of the taxpayer base missing due to abortion. Each day, 10,000 baby boomers are projected to retire each day for the next two decades. The hole left in America's tax base from the millions of abortions will really be felt exponentially for decades. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that God is angry with those who shed innocent blood? And we're talking about God is going to judge this nation. You say, well, we get away. No, no, you will not get away with it. There is a God in heaven that gave his word and says, this is what I love. This is what I hate. You're making decisions and there's a price to pay for it. And pay they will. The shedding of innocent blood is something that God hates. There is no moral justification coming from the Bible, in Scripture, to validate abortion. It's just not there. Let me get this to you. However, the most devastating impact to society is the spiritual damage that is, is a consequence of injustice and unfair treatment of somebody unable to defend themselves. A philosopher declared you can tell the moral character of a society by how they treat the most vulnerable and there is hardly anything more vulnerable than an unborn baby in the womb. Can it defend itself? It can't protect itself. It can't say, don't, don't do this. Well, and that child 
If we don't respect that child, you won't respect anybody's life if you can't respect this life. This life is just as important as yours or mine or anyone else's. And you don't have a right to take the child's life. You say, are you against abortion? If you don't know by now, you're not listening. I think it's wrong. I think it's a sin. I think it's a crime. But you see, we have judges that have legally says it's okay. So that has removed all of your guilt and everybody's fine. And it doesn't hurt anybody because it's legal. It's not lawful. This book cannot be changed by the Supreme Court. God's position is still God's position. And that's where we stand. Selfishness does reign in the majority of decisions for abortion as it becomes either it's inconvenient. I can't afford to raise a child by myself. Okay? When should you have thought about this? Most people who have an abortion have another one. In some cases, another one and another one. You see, the time to make the right decision is ahead of time. If that man loves you, why don't he marry you? Why won't he accept the responsibilities to be the husband he ought to be, the father he ought to be? Anyway, I know that my convictions have a a way of leaking out. Isn't it something that a person is willing to commit murder just for the worth of a few minutes of pleasure? Commit a murder for just a few minutes of pleasure. Sin, the Bible says, there is pleasure in sin for a season. But then there's the fruits of it, the consequences of it. You want to be happy. You want the best for your life. But did you know that that comes from making the right decision? Well, how do you know what is the right decision? Find out what God's word says. When God says, don't do this, it means that's going to hurt you. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It means that's going to hurt you. You say, what about yet? Yeah, that will hurt you. You're setting a precedence in your life. And when you get the urge or the desire, you'll do it just like you did the last time. It gets worse and worse and worse. But learn to have peace and joy in your heart because it did what was right. You don't have to fulfill all of your desires just because you have them. God knows we do. But there's something that's better than all of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. See, all these things are just simply the problems America has is a spiritual problem. And most people don't get that. I want you to take your Bible and look in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. What has been done can't be changed. But going forward, you can say, this is going to be my position. This is what I believe. This is where I stand. So in Matthew in chapter 18, look what he says in verse 1. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and the question came up, uh, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Verse 1, and the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, and who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as a little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. 
Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But, see that word but? But, whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Don't make God mad. We're not supposed to offend these little children. But what do you think you're doing when you're taking the person's life away? So it's, just, it's an inconvenience. Does that justify murder? It's still wrong. Just because, well, it's inconvenient. Did you know that Moses was born at a bad time? You didn't know that? They were killing. It was legal to kill the children. Legal. Did you know that Herod, when Jesus was born, it was legal. He sent him in there to kill all the babies two years old and under. Abort their lives. Kill them. There was others who would take their children and offer them up as sacrifices and even burn them alive. There's other ones when they had children and there was a, a problem in Israel and with Elijah at that time. And Syria had them camped around about and they were big famine. And two women came to see the king. And this woman says, look, we both had little babies and they were starving. So we agreed that we would eat her child one day and then would eat the other child the next day. The woman says, we ate my child. And the next day she hid her child. And what a lot to be done. The king just threw dirt all over himself. And all he wanted to do was kill Elijah, blamed it on him. And yet it wasn't Elijah's fault. It was his fault. But see, people always want to blame somebody else. People have been doing this for, this isn't something new. It's not new. There have been cannibals who have ate people alive. That's why I never wanted to be a missionary. <laughs> I thought I might hit a tribe that still does it. I was with the Indian camps over in Arizona, the Havasupai Indian tribe. And we're down in the bottom, but on the top, we had, the, it was the, the uh, Santo, Arizona. I forgot the name of the internet. But they put me in this great big pot. Great big metal pot. And they stood me inside of this thing. And they pretended like they were going to cook the preacher. And I said, this joke has gone far enough. <laughs> they killed a couple of goats and had some blood pudding. And, and they told us in Bible college, hey, whatever they do, you just as a missionary, don't offend them. Just go ahead and do it. I'm sorry. I'm not eating blood pudding. <laughs> There was a limit as far as this boy's dedication was going to go. But understand that these are decisions that people make. Now, let me just read this to you. I wrote this down the other day. And that was, in the beginning, everything God made was good. Right? We, you read that, right? All right. It's not good now, though, is it? Why? Because man. Not because of God. All that you see wrong in this world isn't because of God. It's because of man. Man made the wrong decisions. Listening to the devil. And people still listening to the devil. God's children still listening to the devil. Because the only way you can combat him is knowing the word. And many of God's children don't know the word well enough to lead and guide their lives. And to be strong and to know what's right and what's wrong. And where to stand. Can we 
have men today that say, this is what's right and this is where I stand and this is what I believe and stand there. I don't have to take an opinion poll of what I believe. I don't take an opinion poll in this church. I don't have to ask anybody in this church, do you think I ought to preach this sermon or not? If this is the book, this is what we're going to go by. And if I'm not, then take this thing and throw it in the trash and let's go do whatever we want to do. And everybody just live according to you want, what you want. But if this is the book, that's what we're going to teach. Let me give this to you. When he gave man a free will to make choices, man turned everything God made good into something bad. We were like sheep, and we've all gone astray. Isn't there a verse in the Bible that says something like that? All we like sheep have gone his own way. We didn't go God's way. We don't make this. He says, my thoughts are not yours. And my ways are not yours. My thoughts are higher than yours. My ways better than yours. And yet you go your own way. And so we have a nation that's smarter than God. Don't need God. Don't need the Bible. Just everybody just do whatever's right in your own eyes. And that's where we are. So do you see the world getting better and better and better and making wiser decisions? No. And they're not going to bring about peace. The United Nations can't do it. Nobody else is going to do it. Without the Prince of Peace, there will be no peace. There shall be no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord. 2,000 years ago, Christ went to the cross to give us the biggest choice, the greatest choice, the most dynamic choice, with the happiest, most fulfilling, eternal, peace-loving results one could ever imagine. It is the only way, the only hope, only possibility of making everything you see wrong and make it right. God is the only one ever been in this world that can change it. No man can do it. Lord can. So you know what he said he's going to do? You know, one time he told Israel, he said, I'm just going to wipe you off and start all over again. And Moses said, oh, don't do that, Lord. Don't start all over again. Because he knew he was going to have to be the one to start it all over again. No, don't do that. So there's several times when God said, I could just wipe everybody off. Because he was so, I get, the Bible says, he was greed that he made man. Why? Because of our decisions. And then, get this. Everything we experience in life is designed as a consequence to sin, to aid each one of us in making the right decision, the right choice. Look at the world. You love that? I don't. So God made it good. We made it bad. So you know what God says he's going to do? He says, I'm going to destroy the whole thing. I'm going to burn it all up. And all those people that don't want what I want are going to spend an eternity in a literal fire burning hell. But God says, I'm going to make a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to do for us the same thing he did for Adam and Eve. He's going to give you a choice. Going to give you a choice. Like I said before, in the Garden of Eden, some people say it was an apple. No, it was the pear. Some of y'all will get that after a while. You have a choice. And God says, this new heavens and this new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, I'm going to give you a choice. Do you like the way it is? Hell's going to be a little bit like this old world is. But a literal fire burning hell for all eternity. Now, if you don't like that, 
And you want to blame God for the way things are. No, you blame yourself. Look in the mirror. Thou art the man. You still make wrong decisions even when you know what to do is right. The Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. We don't all make the right decisions. We don't love everybody like we're supposed to. We don't love God like we're supposed to. So there's a price to pay. So this world, God says, is going to be renovated by fire. It's going to be totally destroyed. And he says, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He said, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. Now, he says, if you want to go there, I'll give you a choice. This is where we find out how smart people really are. You don't have to believe what God says. You don't have to believe that everything he made was good and that man ruined it all. You don't have to believe that. And you'll spend an eternity separated from God because no decision is a decision. No decision is a choice. And you made it. You chose not to choose. The only way you can get into the new one is by a new birth. To be born into God's family by a new birth that does not have an old sinful nature. God is not going to allow anybody with a sinful nature into that new heaven and new earth. Otherwise, we'll do there what we did here. But God says, no, not that one. That'll never be possible. So what he's going to do is he says, you must be born again. And when you're born again, that means you're born by the word of God. God gives you as a free gift eternal life, and you're born into God's family without a sinful nature. And without a sinful nature, you'll never sin again. You see, God's not taking this first birth that was born into this world. He's going to take the second one. You see, I've been born twice. Once when I was born into the world, 73 years ago. And I was born into God's family when I trusted Christ as my Savior when I was 18 years old. It's that second birth that's going to heaven. It has no sinful nature. That's why when I trusted Christ as my Savior, He gave me eternal life. He said He'd never lose me, never cast me out. Why? Because I don't have any sins to pay for. I have a new birth. It doesn't have any sin. It doesn't have a sinful nature. Christ paid for this one in order to give me this one. He died on that cross because He loved you so much. He would rather die than live without you. He loves you so much. He loved the world. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... Anybody in this world, if you want to get into that one, you have to go through Christ. There is no other way. No man cometh unto the Father but through Christ. So if you reject Jesus Christ, you don't go. And how good you live down here has nothing to do with it. It will not matter. All your good intentions won't matter. Money you gave. How clean of a life you lived. All your bills you paid. Faithful to your wife. Loved your children. That doesn't matter. You have to have a new birth to get into this new heaven and a new earth. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you don't get to go. That's why it is so important. Now, I want you to see this first. Look there in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And look what God's Word has to say. How is a man supposed to be saved from this world into the next world? Saved from going to a literal fire burning hell, they get to go to a place where there is no such thing as sin, no sorrow, no death, no more tears, no more grief. 
Down here we have all these problems because of sin. You're suffering consequences because of what other people have decided. And we suffer consequences because of what we have decided. Do you think that those people, when they gather in Washington, make decisions and it doesn't affect us? As long as it doesn't affect us, does it affect us? They pass laws on taxes. Does that affect us? Everything affects. Do you think that people today can just, oh, it doesn't matter if they, you know, the homosexual, if they love each other. Well, as long as it doesn't affect, it does affect us. It'll affect our children. The Bible says concerning Lot, he says, who vexed his righteous soul from day unto day in seeing and hearing of their unlawful, wicked, sinful deeds. And the more you hear about it, the more you read about it, after a while, it won't bother us at all. Everybody knows, and everybody does it, and it doesn't matter. Women with women, men with men, it doesn't matter. Everything matters. It is not good, it's not right. And I wouldn't want them teaching my children or my grandchildren. And given the appearance that it's, they just love each other just like we do. Doesn't matter if God says, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. If it's wrong, it's still wrong. Get God to change his mind. And then I'll go along with it. But so far I haven't seen God changing his mind on anything. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance, without a change of mind, without reconsideration. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, look what he says. For by grace are you saved through faith, regardless of what anybody has done. Doesn't matter if they're a homosexual or a, a person who committed abortion. It doesn't matter. A little lie, you know, whatever. We've all sinned, as the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of God's perfection. We're all in the same boat in God's eyes. Does God love all of us? He loves all of us. Doesn't matter if you're black or white, pink, chartreuse, pinstripe, or polka dot. It doesn't matter what you are. God so loved the world that when he died, he died for everybody. And that once you trust him as your savior, he gives you as a free gift, everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, you get to go to heaven whenever you die. We're going to leave here one of these days. And there's this new heavens and the new earth. And you can't get into it unless you have been born again. That new birth is what gives you a new relationship with the Lord. In the sense that he becomes your father and you become his child by birth alone. And this new birth doesn't have a sinful nature. So that when we get to heaven, we'll never have to worry about sin again. Never. Or do you like the way things are? You like this death and grieving and losing loved ones? I don't like it at all. God hates sin. But that's the consequences of man going his own way. There's consequences. Don't blame God for the consequences. Look in the mirror and blame ourselves for our fault. God didn't destroy your marriage. God didn't destroy your kids. God didn't destroy all of that. That's because there's sin in this world. And everybody's contaminated with this old sinful desire. So he says, by grace are you saved through faith. God says you can't earn it. You're all in the same boat. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works. See, I'm not going to heaven in this new heaven, new earth, because I'm so good. I'm a sinner. I ought to go to hell. But God loved me and paid for my sins. Offered me as a free gift, everlasting life, and I believe it. And I have everlasting life, and I'm going to heaven whenever I die. Because God loves me that much. 
He loves you that much. He loves everybody that much. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody in the world would just trust Christ as their Savior so they can go to heaven when they die? Because you're going to sin. And there's consequences to it. And some of us may suffer the consequences of somebody else's bad decisions. You ever have somebody run into your car? You ever run into somebody else's? Somebody ever say something bad against you? You ever say anything bad about somebody else? Have you ever lied? You ever stole? Ain't that a shame? I'm speaking to a bunch of liars and thieves here this morning. <laughs> we have all lied. We all steal. We all do things wrong. Have bad thoughts. We sure need a Savior. Because all the people in the world, the most brilliant people, put them all together. They can't solve the world's problems. It's not within them. They don't have it. And it doesn't matter who we get elected as president. We have a spiritual problem in America. Because, you see, the, when it's all over with, we want people to go to heaven. This, we're just passing through. This just happened to be our time. This is our moment to shine in the sun. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates what we do wrong, but he loves us. You see, God says the payment for sin is eternal separation from God. Did you know Adam and Eve, one sin, and they were out of the garden. God will not tolerate one sin. And what wicked thing did they do? They ate the wrong fruit. That's not even as bad as telling the white lie. One sin, you're out. Because God doesn't tolerate sin. And look how many decisions we make that are sinful decisions. Totally, and we know it, against God. But God says to pay for this sin is eternal separation from God. But He loves us, wants us to go to heaven. But we can't save ourselves. Our good works will not pay for sin. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world because He loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And everybody's heard this. Most people have heard this. But do you realize when He paid for my sin, mean He paid for my sin so that I won't have to. He paid for my sin, and He says, all that I have to do is believe He did it for me. Now that's easy for everybody. Even little children can do this. Why? They can believe. But I'm so glad that I don't have to commit my life to the Lord and promise God I'm going to live for you and I'm not going to do these bad things anymore. I'd be a liar and a hypocrite. Now all those who promise that are. They don't do what they promise. Christ is going to be the Lord and master of my life. No, he's not. To be saved, it won't work. I turn from my sins. Which ones? All of them? You didn't do it. I'm the preacher, remember? I have to deal with all these saints, godly saints. And I guarantee you, they still got problems. They didn't turn from all their sins. Nobody has. That's why you need a new birth. If you and I would simply believe that when Christ died, He paid for our sin, and says, when I believe that, He gives me as a free gift everlasting life, I go to heaven on what He did. See, when He paid for all this, came back from the dead, He said He will save whosoever, anybody, regardless of what you've done, you can go to heaven. And all you have to do is trust Him. You don't have to trust the preachers, you don't have to trust the church, you don't have to trust nobody else. All you have to do in your own mind, 
I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died, paid for my sin, and I'm going to trust him as my Savior. Now, you wanted to make the greatest choice in all the world, the greatest decision that can make the greatest difference that you've ever made in your whole life? This is it. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, you have an opportunity to make the greatest decision you could ever make. Would you do it? Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. You say, preacher, that made sense to me, and I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. And so, friend, right now in the quietness of this moment, you just say something simple like this, Lord, I'm a sinner. We all are. Lord, I'm a sinner, and I realize I cannot save myself. I cannot earn my way to heaven. I believe that when you died, you died for me. And I believe that, and I'm going to trust you to take me to heaven whenever I die. And friend, if you'll make that decision, I'd like to have prayer for you. And so I'm going to ask you, if you'll just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. I'm not going to have you forward. Just right where you are. Yes, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Yes, God bless you. Just very quickly, just slip it up, put it right back down. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pin you against the wall. Say, that made sense to me, and I want to be certain of going to heaven. Is there anyone else? It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. Anyone else? Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for these that indicate you by an uplifted hand that by faith alone in Christ, they believe that when he died, he died for them. And that you will give to them as a free gift eternal life, that you'll never cast them out and never lose them. We ask your blessings upon each one here. And Father, each person that may have really messed up and failed in the past, that, Lord, we're so glad that you are a God of forgiveness. Help us as individuals that want to know you and love you and walk with you and serve you. We also are forgiven of others just because we may have not have done the exact same thing before you we have all sinned. And help us not to get high and lifted up because a proud look is something you hate. But help us to be patient with others who are now where we once were. And we pray that your will to be done in the lives of each person here. And Father, we pray that for someone watching by internet, that right there on the screen, they can click it and say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Bless us in Christ's name we pray. Amen.